In the United States, I studied at Harvard as a Kennedy Scholar. Later in life, I was a member of the interviewing panel to select new scholars. One young man who was studying theology at Oxford entered the room, and, obviously a little nervous, sat on the chair in front of a line of eminent figures. The chairman, a distinguished philosopher, started by asking, "'Tell me, does God have much of a role in theology these days?' The young man blinked and never recovered, but it made me think that the question one should ask of economists is, does money have much of a role in economics these days? Money is misunderstood because it is so familiar, although not as familiar as many of us might wish. Its function in a capitalist economy is complex, and economists have struggled to understand it. It is not even easy to define because the word is used to mean different things. The notes and coins in our wallets, the value of our total wealth, sometimes even the power that wealth confers, as in money talks. Whatever it is, we seem to be enthralled to it. In his epistle to Timothy, quoted above, St. Paul put it more bluntly. The management of money, in rich and poor countries alike, has been dismal. Governments and central banks may talk about price stability, but they have rarely achieved it. During the 1970s, prices doubled in the United States in ten years, and in Britain they doubled in five years. In November 1923, prices in Germany doubled in less than four days, and GDP fell by over 15% during the year. That experience helped to undermine the Weimar Republic and contributed to the rise of Nazi totalitarianism. In the film Cabaret, set in Berlin in the 1930s, the MC at the Kit Kat Club performs a song entitled Money, which includes the lines, A mark, a yen, a buck or a pound is all that makes the world go around. Yet in recent years, with central banks printing money like never before, albeit electronically rather than by churning out notes, and a world recovery still elusive, you could be forgiven for thinking that money doesn't make the world go round. So what does money do? Why do we need it? And could it eventually disappear? As governor of the Bank of England, I would sometimes visit schools to explain money, especially to the younger pupils. Bemused by the fact that I was actually paid for hanging out with my friends, the only answer I could come up with to their question, what is a meeting, they were nonetheless certain about the value of money. I would hold up a five-pound note and ask them what it was. Money! they would scream. Surely it's just a piece of paper, I would reply, and make as if to tear it in two. No, you mustn't! they gasped as I hesitated and asked them what the difference was between a piece of paper and the paper note in my hand. Because you can buy stuff with it, they explained loudly. And so we went on to discuss the importance of making sure that the amount of stuff you could buy with my note didn't change drastically from one year to the next. They all got the idea that low and stable inflation was a good thing, and that whatever form money takes, it must satisfy two criteria. The first is that money must be accepted by anyone from whom one might wish to buy stuff, the criterion of acceptability. The second is 
that there is a reasonable degree of predictability as to its value in a future transaction, the criterion of stability. Most stuff is today bought not with notes and coins, but with cheques, debit and credit cards, and by electronic transfers drawn on interest-bearing bank deposits. Economists have long debated how to measure the amount of money in the economy, but since what is accepted as money changes over time with both technology and economic circumstances, the quest for a precise definition has little point. Some people prefer a narrow definition in which money comprises the notes and deposits issued only by the central bank or government. Others prefer a broad definition that includes deposits issued by private banks.